Hello everybody and welcome to episode 364 of the Ask the Coach Show where Ping Seals answers your table tennis questions. I'm Jeff Plum and as always I'm joined by super coach Alois Rosario. Welcome Alois. Thank you Jeffrey. 364 eh? Yeah. That's a a lot of shows. It is a lot of shows isn't it? But they've all been very good I hear. (laughs) Well yeah. Well, if, if if you're still listening to this, well, we assume that you still think that they're okay. Yes, yes. There you go. 300. Now, I, I was just listening to the radio the other day. Yep. And, and they had people ring in telling jokes. And, you know, they were yep. almost up to my standard of jokes. So I thought I might just share some of the ones I heard on the radio here. Excellent. Yes. Hope, hopefully excellent. <laughs> yes. Alice, Anything. what do you call a can opener that does not work? Um, I don't know, Jeff. A can't opener. It's <laughs> pretty good, wasn't it? And yeah, that was good. That's yeah. For you. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And Alice, my son thinks that I don't respect his privacy enough. At least that's what he wrote in his diary. <laughs> Not bad, huh? Uh, yeah, I can actually see that happening, Jeff. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yes, but no, I, I thought that was good. And you know what, Alice? Maybe we should ask people to send me in a joke if they're, if they're sick and tired of my jokes. But they're probably not. So they're probably just, um, you know, happy for please, me to keep going please. with Please. Please, guys out there, send him something that's funny. <laughs> so if you got something, send me something funny. Yeah, jump onto the website, go to the contact us at the bottom, and uh, send send us a joke. Just put, you know, joke of the week or something as, as the subject. Love yeah. to hear from you. Um, what have you got for us about on this week, Alloys? On this week, well, well, coming up on the 9th of February um, mm-hmm. is... Wong Man Yu's birthday, and she will be. She's she's only going to be twenty three years old. She was born in nineteen ninety nine, so you know she's um, from from the past uh, past millennium. But she's going to be twenty three years old, and um, the current world singles champion in the women. So uh, very so, impressive. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, She's she's been one of my favourites for a little while. I saw her at the World Junior Championships, I think it was, um, or I saw her somewhere, and um, and uh, was really impressed with her game. And obviously, I mean, she's obviously pretty pretty darn good. But um, yeah, such a nice, fluent style. You know, a little bit taller, good off both sides, good backhand, good forehand, topspin. Um, yeah, so I love uh, love watching Wang Man Yu. Not many weaknesses there, huh? Not not too many. No, no. Like, I mean, you know, I think you know maybe her strokes get a little bit big at some stages, but Mm -hmm. you know when yeah. But she she gives herself a bit of space too to to be able to play that um, to play that stroke. So, um, but yeah, I mean, she's won an Olympic gold as well in the teams in uh, in Tokyo this year, Um, and yeah, so. Won a gold in the singles. Um, 
at uh, at World Championships. She's won two World Double Championships and a gold medal in a team's event at the World Championships as well. So, so she's uh, done a lot, and she's what twenty three years old. God, yeah, amazing. It is amazing. Yeah, I mean, uh, most most you know, twenty three year olds are still you know working out what they're going to do with their lives. I know. Uh, I know. Yes. Well, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yep. The Wang Yes, very good. Uh, just on a side note, Alloys, have you ever tried blindfolded archery? Uh, no, I haven't, Jeff. You, you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> You've definitely got your jokes from a better source this this week, Jeff. <laughs> they're, they're pretty good, aren't they? I, I, I thought so. Yes. I've I've got a few archers. I'm going to have to try that one on them, but they've probably heard it a hundred times. <laughs> yeah, probably. Give it a go, though. What's, what's the worst that could happen? They could just not laugh. But that's right. It's yeah. unlikely because it, you know, if we air <laughs> it on this show, it's, it's pretty much guaranteed to get laughs. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, that moves us on to the tip of the week. Yeah. So the tip of the week this week is just a bit about the that first attack and. Um, and the importance of it, you know, and I think, I think, um, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, even 20 years ago, it was, it was the be all and end all of, of the game. And you really needed to make that first attack and um, you needed to, uh, other, and if you did, you were winning most of the rallies. Now I think it's the, the percentages have changed a bit, you know, um, as in, you know, the percentages of uh, points that you win after making the first attack have definitely gone down. And so I think it, why yeah. do you think that is? I think it's a little bit to do with the size of the ball. and um, mm-hmm. and But I think also just the quality now of the players' counterspins, blocking. Um, you know, I mean, they, they don't tend to block anymore. They just counterspin. I know. Um, and even when it looks like a little bit of a block, it's not really a block. They just come over it with a bit of topspin and, yeah. yeah. And and I think the other thing is just the the quality of serving too, you know. So uh, serving a little bit more, just half long, um, almost forcing your opponent to make that first attacking ball, and then taking advantage of the the weaker ones. So yeah, so there's a little bit around that. But as as a as a player, if you're out there in clubland and um, and thinking about you know learning the game and playing the game. I'd, I'd recommend the first thing to do is to start to think about making the attack early in the rally mm-hmm. because um, especially, you know, when you're starting out, if you can make that first attack, then often uh, your opponents won't have the quality of that counter spin or the block or the counter top spin to come back at you with. Um, so it can set you up pretty well. Uh, the other thing is that, you know, I, I guess – then once you can do that, then don't think that you have to do it, even if it's a really risky ball. So if you're thinking about the balls coming at you, you're a 20% chance of making the top spin on the table, then the odds aren't in your favour. Um, even if you're 50% chance of making the, the the first attack on the table, the odds still probably aren't in your favour. You know, you want to start to think about setting yourself up a little bit better for that first attack so that you can make a strong first attack 
and also think about making a good positional or good placement with that first attack. So, you know, so so look for the, the first attack when you've got the opportunity to make a good, strong ball and gain the advantage in the rally. Don't just make the first attack because someone tells you that, well, you you have to make the first attack. So um, yeah, so it's a little bit of a little bit of um, starting to understand the game a bit more. So I've, I've sort of gone around a little bit. My first thing is learn how to make the first attack. And okay. This, okay. Yep. And then and the so what are some keys there to making the first attack? Yep. So you're looking at improving your service or your return of serve. Mm. Because those first balls, the first opportunities you get um, are really crucial. If you um, don't have a strong enough serve, then you're not going to get many opportunities with that third ball. If your return of serve is, is weak, then your opponent is going to gain the advantage in the rally really early. So it's going back a step, thinking about the quality of your serve and the, and the return of serve. And then... Um, secondly, it's then thinking about the the the, um, the actual stroke and that that top spin against backspin is often um, that key critical stroke and that's probably where I started when I was thinking about the the tip of the week this week. Mm. That's probably mm. where I started. You know, I so, sort of started thinking about just the importance of that uh, of learning how to make the top spin against backspin um, stroke um, and then. You know, then how well can you do it? Nice, nice, excellent. All right, so um, yeah, have a have a little think about that next time you're out and uh, work yeah. on making that first attack. Yep, but but don't just then make the first attack because um, you you feel like you have to pick yeah. your pick your time, pick your ball to make that first attack on. Yeah, so like if you're not confident or you think you might miss or you might, you know, think you might not get an advantage from it, maybe try and make a good defensive shot. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, it's always interesting, isn't it, just to think about these things because um, often people just go out and play and don't put much thought in it. So I love how you bring these tips of the weeks and just give people something to think about. It's excellent. Excellent, good. I'm glad you like it, Jeffrey. <laughs> Yes. Hopefully you guys out there like it. That's the... Indeed, I'm sure they would. Um, this brings us on to the questions, Alois, and, you know, the yes. heart of the show, the questions. Yes, the Talk heart of the Ask the Coach show. That's yes. Right. And Barry is asking the coach, how do you do a backhand side spin loop? Oh, Barry, that's a tough one. That's a really tough stroke to do. But... um. It's, it's something that I'd recommend you start to play around with once you've developed a good backhand topspin. So either, either backhand topspin against block or, you know, backhand topspin um, against backspin. Once you can do those two strokes, then you can start to play around a little bit with that backhand sidespin loop. So the, the key with the backhand sidespin loop is to drop the end of your racket down lower than your wrist. So if you can do that, then you're going to get the contact of the racket on the ball around the side of the ball, and that's what's going to generate that side spin for you. Now, a lot of the rest is pretty similar with the actual stroke. You know, you're starting below and finishing above and all that sort of stuff. But 
by getting that contact on the side, then the ball's going to start to spin sideways as well. Pretty difficult stroke to uh, mm. to learn. Um, but, you know, it's worth just having a play around, and it's often a bit of fun to play around with those sort of strokes. So, yeah, if um, if it's something that interests you, um, have a little bit of a play. Don't don't spend don't spend your whole training session on it. You know, maybe give it five or ten minutes and um, see how you go. And we've got a we do have a tutorial on the side spin, backhand, top spin, which is basically the same thing um, that we'll put in the show notes. So uh, you can go and have a look at that uh, tutorial of us uh, doing that backhand side spin. Nice one. Now, do you find any people naturally get a bit of side spin just when they're learning the backhand loop? Yeah, they do. Like, it, it is pretty natural that you drop that um, racket head um, sometimes to the side. Um, so initially when you're learning the stroke, I like to have uh, some pure topspin. So the pure topspin is good because with pure topspin, you can hit the ball faster. Um, once you start to put that side spin on the ball, then you need to compromise a bit with the speed uh, because the ball isn't dipping over the net as quickly as uh, as it does with pure topspin. Gotcha. So we, with the pure topspin, it's all topspin, so you get more dip. When you put a bit of side spin on it, you get a bit more curl as well and less dip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's right. Excellent. All right. Well, great question, Barry. Yeah, so have a go at that. Just coming around the side of the ball. If you're stuck, have a look at our tutorial um, and... Yeah, have a bit of an experiment. You know, you got to have fun sometimes when you're training too, don't you? But like you said, unless you don't want to spend your whole training session on it. But it is important at some stages to have a bit of fun and try some new things out. I think you need to have fun all the time when you're training, Jeff. True. Good point. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> all right. Next question is about head-heavy rackets. So um, Spinny had a, a balance bat that he really liked and he bought the exact same setup, um, but the because of the rubbers were a bit heavier, it made the head feel a bit heavier. And so, you know, is there any benefit in having like a head-heavy bat for attacking or for any other purposes? Yeah. Um, Spinny, the, the key here is what feels comfortable in your hand and what feels comfortable for your stroke. So the advantage or disadvantage of any sort of, um, uh, you know, changes in that balance, I mean, it's so minimal, um, you know, as far as is my racket moving faster, is the racket head moving faster or whatever it is. Um, I think, um, yeah, the 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 more, more important thing is really about, you know, your technique and, and setting yourself up to play those faster strokes or whatever it is. Um, but, the racket just needs to feel comfortable in your hand. Um, so I, I, I personally used to like a lighter racket um, because I just felt I could do more with the racket. Um, but, uh, you know, some players like the heavy racket because they feel like once that once they start to um, generate the speed with the arm, then the racket, you know, it comes through um, faster and contacts the ball faster. Uh, those sorts of things, but yeah, it's it's so minimal, um, Spinny. That yeah, it's it's just about what feels good in your hand. Yeah, uh, good, good, good. Um, so I think there's a lot of the, the responses with equipment, isn't it? It's kind of a lot of the time it's a personal preference, isn't it? 
Absolutely. I mean, we, we get we get asked quite a lot of questions about equipment on on the site, um, and you know, I really feel that equipment is you know a, a small part of um, the importance of learning learning the game. You definitely need to have um, a racket that is within your range, you know. So, so we, we talk about there's there's probably about four or five levels of rackets. You know, there's there's the old piece of wood or plastic that you just need to throw in the bin. Yeah, because um, you and, just can't really develop your game using something like that. So that's kind of like when people say equipment's not important, it absolutely is essential to a point, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. That's right. So. You know, so if you're if you're a, um, you know, really getting on with your game and you've been playing for five years and you're playing with a really, um... oh, we've just lost you, Alloys. Hey, Alloys, we're back. We had technical difficulties. The internet is always, well, not always. Normally, it's reliable, but for some reason today, technical difficulties, and it's been a long time since we've had this issue. Yeah, that's right. But we're back. We're back, yes. Maybe you, you just didn't like us talking about equipment, Jeff. Yeah, that's probably it. It's going equipment. <laughs> Gee, <laughs> make him stop. But, <laughs> but it is an important topic, though. You were talking about the different levels, and we were saying how it is critical to get equipment at least a certain level um, yeah. so you can develop your game. That's right, yeah. You can't um, – I mean, if you're a really um, a real beginner, there's no use just getting a, a – you know, a – $300 racket that's super fast wood and super fast rubber and spinny because you're just not going to be able to control it and it's going to compromise the way you learn your strokes um and then yeah on on the on the uh, other side you know if you if you are an advanced player and you're trying to use a a, a really slow uh, beginner bat then you're not getting the best value out of uh, your racket either so yeah so just find something that's that suits your level nice nice and um, and we've got a video we'll put in the show notes how to choose a table tennis bat. So if you're wondering, watch that video and hopefully that answers all your questions. All right. Uh, thanks for the question, Barry. Uh, now next up is a question from Manfred. He says, because of uh, COVID, there's no training possible in his area for the time being. So he's wondering if there's anything he can do at, at home just to maintain that feeling of the ball and the stroke movement. Yeah, so uh, I mean, the the ideal is definitely you want you want a, a table and practice partner and all those sorts of things, but um, as you know, we've got we've had quite a long time of you know players not being able to play in their clubs, etc. So there's a few things you can do at home. You know, there's there's things like um, serving practice. So if you've got a if you've got a table, great. Even if you haven't got a table, you can just use the floor. Um, and start to think about how much spin you're generating with your with the bat on the ball for your service. Um, you can watch the ball on the floor, and that'll give you clues as to how how much spin you're getting. Um, so the other things you can do are, I mean, just um, putting up a table up against the wall, and it doesn't have to be a table tennis table. Just put any table up against the wall and hit the ball backwards and forwards on the table. Um, let it hit the wall and come back to you just to start to develop some real control of the ball, you know, so that's at a real um, um, uh, control learning level. Um, but then, 
you know, at the more advanced level, you can also do things like shadow play, where you're you haven't got the uh, the ball at all, and you're just practicing the strokes um, as you would um, in a in a in a game situation or a training drill situation. Now, the, one of the keys with shadow play or shadow drills is to really think and feel and try to imagine that ball coming towards you and you hitting the ball. The more senses that you can uh, recruit when you're doing your shadow play, the more um, benefit you're going to get out of uh, that training. If you just stand there and swing your racket, you know, aimlessly, um, that's about as much as you'll get out of it. But if you do really start to think about, you know, picturing that ball coming towards you, um, make your move, think about what stroke you're going to play off that ball, et cetera, et cetera, then you can get some benefits out of it as well. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm going to get this story wrong because it happened so long ago. But I remember when I was just like a, just starting out and just joined a club and then I went to like a training camp in New South Wales. I used to live in ACT and went to a training camp in New South Wales and um, – Paul Pinkovich was running the uh, training camp, and he's obviously an Australian table tennis legend, um, won Australian Opens, and, you know, he, he always tells everyone, is this true? He's represented Australia more times than anyone else ever in any sport. Something like that. Uh, yeah, something <laughs> like that. Yep. <laughs> not sure if it's true or not, but he says it. So, you know, it must be... Yeah. Um, um, but he told this story to, this, to everyone that was at the training camp about how important shadow play could be and that we should be doing it to improve our game. And he, I think, and I could be getting this totally wrong, but, you know, his coach at the time had told him that he needed to do all this shadow practice in order to win the Australian Open, and then he did it, and then guess what? He won the Australian Open. Well, there you go. See? Maybe it does work. There you go. Um, <laughs> but but I think the key is, like you said, you've really got to, you know, imagine it, don't you, that you're actually hitting the ball and that you're actually having a match. And, the more you can visualise that, the better that um, practice is going to be for you. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, recruit as many senses as you can when you're doing any sort of training. Yes, indeed. All right. Now, uh, last question, Alois, is from Jasper. He says, hey, what is the best match at the top level you have watched? Now, his favourite match was Ma Long versus Juicy Hook in the 2014 Asian Games because he loves that attacker versus defender um, and, you know, the long, intense rallies. But sometimes he feels like the attacker versus attacker, their rallies can be over too quickly. Yeah, I, um, well, I go back a long way and I like the 87 <laughs> World, <laughs> World Championship final um, of, uh, of Jiang Jialiang playing Waldner. Yeah, Even though your hero lost. Yeah, exactly. That's right. But um, yeah, really incredible match, um, and really um, had had everything. You know, so, so much speed. It was a close match. It was um, yeah. It was for a world championship. Um, so yeah, I think that that's probably my um, my favourite match. But and we have I, mentioned this before, but it was it was really intense, wasn't it? And at one at one stage there. Zhang Jialing was wandering around the opposite side of the table, around Waldner's side, just pumping his fist. That's right, yeah. He won a point and he's just up Waldner's end of the table, did a lap of the table, pumping his fist. Yeah, it was an uh, incredible atmosphere. And uh, I guess probably the other thing that made it really special for me was I was actually down on the floor. So, I mean, in those days, 
it was 1987 and I was actually down behind the court for the final of the world championships. Yeah. I mean, you just don't, don't, um, you can't just wander around like that anymore, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty, pretty impressive and just special just to be that close to the action. Um, but, I, but thinking about Juice Hook, I do also love defenders and watch watching defenders. And I was, um, in Paris in 2003, when he made the final of the um, of the World Championships, um, wow. yeah, and uh, and yeah, he played some incredible matches there as well to to reach the final. So yeah, I do I do love Juice Hill. I love any of the defenders really. It it does add some real spectacle spectacle to the game, and it seems a bit of a shame that there aren't that many around anymore, Jeff. It does, doesn't it? And yeah, and especially like I, I like that mix now, where they where they kind of can be very attacking on the forehand side as well. I think it's it's really good to watch. Yeah, that's right. Have you have you got a favourite match that you can remember? Oh, I don't know. I like the old matches too. Um, and when I first started playing, yeah, we used to have um, just get videos of of table tennis matches, and there was. Um, what was it called? The Magical World of Table Tennis or something? And just had highlights from different matches and stuff. Um, so I liked all those, you know, matches at the late 80s as well. And, um, yeah. Um, but a specific one? I don't know. Yeah, not sure. I have to yeah. think about that. Well, a lot well, of good matches. I just like watching any table tennis, to be honest. Yeah. Well, just uh, let us know uh, what what your favourite match is. And, and maybe some of you might pick something from the uh, WTT with the side on angle. Do you love that angle? <laughs> yeah. No, don't like it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, let us know. We'll put a link in the show notes uh, to this question and uh, just, yeah, let us know what's your favourite match and hopefully it's from this century. Bring Alois and I into the modern times. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that does bring us on to our competition, Alois, the Who Am I? Now, last week you um, had a clue. Who am I? I have represented two countries internationally, and no one has picked the answer yet. So everyone's still in with a chance. Ah, finally, finally, yes. I've got a, an obscure enough clue that uh, that you guys out there didn't get it straight away. But it does mean we need to give them another clue now. All right. This this one is that I was once in the army commando unit. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, there you go. Interesting. All right. Well, while you ponder that, um, we'll move on to another segment. And remember, you can always um, – or you, you enter that competition by going to the Ping Skills website, clicking on your name, and then clicking on competitions. Yeah. Now, my it, – it's on to – I did like OMG Facts better. I'm just not sure. It's on to the 2022 World Almanac – segment you had a good one last week you had one good one last week yeah well check out this one an estimated 25 million cloud to ground lightning bolts are happen in the u.s each year and they killed an average of 41 people in 1990 to 2019 41 people really Mm, apparently is that per year doesn't say per year but i think that's what it means 41 people per year killed by lightning. That's yes. a lot. That is a lot of people. 25 million lightning bolts. See, this almanac thing's all right. <laughs> yeah, sure is, isn't it? Yeah. 
And apparently, sort of a, that, that was sort of an OMG fact, though, wasn't it? Almost, wasn't it? And tomorrow, the 8th of February, today in sports history, in 1998, Finland beat Sweden 6-0 in the first women's Olympic ice hockey game. Yeah. There you go. And you go. last one, February 9th, in 1964, the Beatles appeared on the Ed Sullivan Show an estimated 73 million Americans watched as the Beatles made their U.S. live television debut. Wow, that's a lot of people in those days. It is, isn't it? Million, yeah. It's... All out watching one TV show. Now, everyone be just watching their own little thing on YouTube or Facebook or <laughs> listening to something on Spotify. It's hard to get, like, everybody watching one event anymore, isn't it? I mean, maybe yeah. the Olympics is... Yeah, live sport is probably it, isn't it? Live sport's probably the one that uh, gets it. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how many people were watching the Nadal-Medvedev Australian Open final. Yes. That was a, that was a classic, five-hour classic. It was, and the Ash Barty final was big in Australia. We had a, a lot of Australia watching that match, I can tell you. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. Ah, interesting. That's a lot of million peoples. <laughs> it is. It is indeed. Oh dear! Yeah, so and, these these, these almanac things are this this starting to improve. Yeah, warming yeah, up. getting better, getting better. Yeah. You know, every now and again, if they're terrible, I'll bring back an OMG fact because we have still got a few left, but we better save them. Just I save them up. That's right. <laughs> uh, indeed. Very good. Well, again, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, thanks for all your questions, and make sure you check out the Ping Skills website. And of course, thank you, Alloys. Thank you, Jeffrey, and thank you for listening this long. Yes. 364 shows. Indeed. Has anyone heard all 364 shows? If you I have, drop us a line. We'll be impressed. I have, Jeffrey. I've listened to every one of them. <laughs> yeah, well done to you. <laughs> uh, all right, thanks, everyone. See you next week. Enjoy your table, Dennis. Bye.